0: Every one percentage point reduction in GDP growth costs our industry over $1 billion in sales. So we've got to be ready. We must begin preparing for the slowdown now before it hits. We must not assume that we can avoid it. We must not assume that it's not going to affect us. We must not assume that there's nothing we can do about it. The leaders will prepare for the slowdown and they will come out of the slowdown stronger
1: than they went in. Tough talk about the tough economic challenges facing graphic communications companies in today's economy from Andy Paparossi, Vice President and Chief Economist of NAPL. He's our guest today on the NAPL Economics Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Lubetkin. Hello and welcome to the NAPL Economics Podcast, produced by NAPL for the graphic communications industry. NAPL's comprehensive slate of business-building solutions provides industry leaders with the strategies, insights, and guidance they can use to make informed business decisions, minimize risk, anticipate change, and profitably grow their business. Within NAPL, the industry experts in our professional services group deliver independent advice to owners and senior managers of companies needing specialized know-how and practical insights as they consider strategic options or make critical decisions affecting their business. For more information about NAPL, visit napl.org or call 800-642-NAPL. That's one 800 642 6275 and press option 4. And now to today's program. A popular and sought-after speaker at numerous industry events, Andy Paparossi is highly respected throughout the graphic communications community as a leading authority on economic and business trends. As NAPL's chief economist, Andy oversees the association's Printing Economic Research Center which produces proprietary research and reports on the graphic communications industry's performance, prospects, and defining issues, including the widely respected NAPL State of the Industry Report and its regular printing business conditions. He also oversees the NAPL Performance Indicators Program, which tracks the performance of some of the industry's most consistently successful companies, and the NAPL Printing Business Index, a comprehensive measure of printing industry activity that's become a respected barometer of industry conditions. Andy holds a master's degree in economics from Columbia University, where he concentrated in econometrics, and a bachelor's degree in economics from Boston College, where he was named to Phi Beta Kappa. We spoke at NAPL's headquarters in Paramus, New Jersey. Andy Pepperosi, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. What are some of the kinds of economic analysis capabilities that NAPL brings to the table for uh, for people in the industry?
0: We do analysis differently here. We are in the industry constantly. And long ago, we decided that to understand what's happening in this business We've got to be able to talk to as many printers as we possibly can. But there would be criteria. One criterion would be that you'd have to identify yourself. We must know whom we're surveying. We must know whom we're talking to. Our surveys would always be strictly confidential, but never anonymous. We want you to take the work seriously. We want you to make a commitment to our research program. And over the years, we've built relationships. We began with 30 printers participating in our program in 1986. We now have over 750. And we have established relationships over that time so that the participants in our research share with us, because of their confidence in us, information that they will not share with everyone else. Because our goal from day one has always been not to collect a bunch of numbers, but to collect insight and to put numbers in context. So we do regular research with our 750-member panel, and we share that research with the industry through a series of publications, presentations. And again, the idea is to understand what's happening, why it's happening, what's ahead, in time to help our members do something about it, in time to help them make these things opportunities rather than threats. And the uniqueness is that we've built a database of of broad indicators that draws on broad participation in the industry that is not easily replicated. And I'm very proud to say that after 20 years of doing this, Participation in our research is still growing. We're still bringing in new perspectives, new members in our program, and we're able to understand what's happening and understand it from a broad set of perspectives.
1: And it's a significant size sample of of people that uh, gives you some confidence that what they're telling you really represents broad trends in the industry. Exactly.
0: And that's what we've always tried to understand. It's not about collecting numbers. It's not about checking a couple of boxes or clicking on a couple of boxes or circling a couple of letters. It's about careful, thoughtful assessment of what's happening and why. And that's what we ask of participants in our research – We never, ever preface a survey with take five minutes to fill this out while you're having a cup of coffee. We preface it by saying that this is serious business. We've got to understand what's happening. We want you to think carefully about what's happening, about where your company is, where it's going, and how it's going to get there. And we are going to ask questions that encourage you to think provocatively about where you're going, how you're going to get there, and what you're going to need to get there.
1: Let's talk broadly about the economy first. Where is the industry headed economically and, and what are some of the critical trends we're looking at as we head into next year?
0: Certainly. There are three critical trends. The first is that we are growing. We will grow faster in 2006 than we have in 11 years. We are not finding growth in the same old places or by doing the same old things. But we are growing, and printers who are not sharing in the growth or participating in the growth need to figure out why very quickly. They need to ask candidly and soberly, why am I being left behind, and how do I catch up? Secondly, not enough of that growth, not nearly enough of that growth, is making it from the top line to the bottom line. We are in a classic textbook Profit squeeze with a broad range of costs paper, other materials, energy, labor costs, interest rates a broad range of costs rising significantly in markets that, despite consolidation, despite a significant reduction in the number of printing companies, are still very, very resistant to price increases. As evidence, Consider that 69.3% of the NAPL printing business panel report that their sales are up so far this year. But just 30.1% report profitability is up. Over two-thirds reporting sales up, revenues up, but under one-third reporting the bottom line is up. Why? Well, because our hyper-competitive markets no longer give us a margin for error. Even upturns no longer bring a margin for error. Once upon a time, when business turned up, markets were a little more tolerant of inefficiency and waste and spoilage and error. Once upon a time, when business turned up, you could pass rising costs on as higher prices, no more. We now either maximize efficiency and maximize productivity and minimize costs, particularly labor costs, minimize turn times and minimize bottlenecks, or growth never makes it from the top line to the bottom line. Third is there is significant concern in the industry about what's ahead. Just 28% of the NAPL printing business panel expect business to improve during the six months ahead. That is our lowest reading in four years. It is down from 37% at the start of 2006 and 41.2% one year ago. The concern across the industry from the largest companies to the smallest is How do I protect my bottom line from persistent accelerating cost inflation and from an economy that is likely to weaken significantly over the next 12 months?
1: You have your finger on the pulse of what a lot of graphic production companies are thinking. You're doing surveys on a regular Mm -hmm. basis. Are the concerns that they're expressing justified?
0: Yes, they are. If one thing hasn't changed about our industry – It's our dependence on the economy. Now, the the exact relationship has changed as NAPL has documented for seven or eight years. But the bottom line is a healthy, robust economy is still good news for us. And a feeble, retrenching economy is still big trouble. Now, we know two things about the economy. Number one, the Fed wants to slow the economy because the Fed is concerned about inflation And when the chairman of the Fed says, I'm worried about inflation, I want to slow the economy, and then he acts in a way entirely consistent with what he's been saying, we would all do well to listen. The second thing we know about the economy is that the Fed just cannot know if they've gotten it right until long after the fact. Interest rates can take a year to work their way through the economy. So we haven't seen anywhere near the full effects of those 17 interest rate hikes yet. Now, maybe the Fed pulls it off. Maybe they slow the economy just enough to moderate inflation but not to stifle growth. But maybe they don't. Maybe they over-tighten. Maybe inflation has already gotten such a a strong foothold in the economy that it's going to take a prolonged, significant downturn to loosen it. We don't know, but in any case, the economy will be slowing, and that is important to our industry. The consensus, and when I say the consensus, I mean the consensus of blue-chip economic indicators, which is a group of 50 very prominent business forecasters. The consensus of the blue-chip economic indicators forecasting panel is that the Fed is going to get it right, they are going to gradually slow the economy over the next 12 months from the robust 35 to 4% growth of the last three years to a more moderate 2.5% pace. Now, that matters to us because we estimate, NAPL estimates, that every one percentage point reduction in GDP growth, GDP, for example, slowing from a 3.5% rate to a 2.5% rate, every one percentage point reduction in GDP growth costs our industry over $1 billion in sales. So we've got to be ready. We must begin preparing for the slowdown now before it hits. We must not assume that we can avoid it. We must not assume that it's not going to affect us. We must not assume that there's nothing we can do about it. The leaders will prepare for the slowdown and they will come out of the slowdown stronger than they went in.
1: So what's your advice for printers – In preparing for the slowdown, how can they protect themselves?
0: There are several good things we can do when we address all of these in detail. In our mid-year state of the industry report, we talked about the importance of maximizing productivity and efficiency. And that has never, ever been more important in our business because we have never had the diversity or the intensity of competition we do today. The competition isn't simply the printer across town anymore. It is the printer across the country, the printer across the ocean, the non-printer who is providing an electronic alternative to print. At NAPL, we talk about five deadly misconceptions about our industry, and the most deadly of these misconceptions is assuming that we will be competing with the same people tomorrow that we've always competed with. We're competing with entirely new players in entirely new ways. So maximizing productivity and efficiency has never, ever been more important. And nothing is more important to maximizing productivity and efficiency than effective labor force management. And by that, I simply mean cultivating A flexible, lean labor force that can adapt quickly to change, whether they be the ups and downs of sales or whether they be the kinds of change that are redefining what we do and how we do it. Investing in labor-saving technology is certainly a big part of effective labor force management, and we've done pretty well on that score. For example, we currently create about $79 billion of sales every year with a labor force of just about 488,000 people. Six years ago, we needed nearly 588,000 people, nearly 100,000 more to generate the same $79 billion in sales. To put our progress another way, today we create $162,000 of revenue per employee, a 19.5% increase from six years ago when we created approximately $136,000 of sales per employee. That's real progress. It's important, but it's not enough anymore. Investing in labor-saving technology is part of the story, but not the whole story. We also must recruit more effectively, evaluate our personnel more effectively, and train our personnel more effectively. Effective recruiting minimizes costly employee turnover by getting us the right person the first time out. Effective evaluation helps us quickly identify who's going to get us where we need to go so we can reward and retain those personnel, and what is more costly or disruptive than losing a key employee. Effective evaluation also lets us identify who just isn't going to get us where we need to go, who's just not up to it. And that's important because our hyper-competitive markets simply will not allow us the luxury of carrying underperformers anymore. Effective training, particularly cross-training, ensures that our staff's skills are current and adaptable. We have some work to do here. We are not nearly where we need to be. I will quote some preliminary results of the 2006 NAPL Organization, Development, and Compensation Survey, which we will publish in October. We asked participants in our survey, when you recruit a full-time person, about what percent of the time do you get the kind of person you were really looking for, and what percent of the time do you settle for who is ever available. The average success rate 52.5 percent. Only slightly better than the flip of a coin. We asked about investment in employee education and training. Comprehensive investment. We found that 43 percent of our survey group either invest nothing or an insignificant amount in employee training and education, or take whatever a vendor provides with new hardware and software. Nearly 16% don't even know how much they invest. Only 10% invest at least 1% of their annual revenues in educating and training personnel. We found that only 34% Of our survey group have effective, well defined, systematic employee evaluation plans, and only 29.8% are happy with their employee evaluation plans. We must do better. And let's be frank as an industry, we have always been. Equipment and technology focused. Labor force development has been an afterthought. Training and education have been whatever we need to operate that new piece of equipment, software, or hardware we just purchased. We cannot get away with that anymore. Our industry is getting too competitive and too complex for that anymore and the companies who will prosper in this business who will prosper in an industry that is getting more competitive and more complex will take labor force development seriously will take training and evaluation and recruitment and retention seriously and they will invest as carefully in their personnel as they invest in their capital equipment and they will not overhire Over the last four months, we have hired more production personnel than in any period since the summer of 1998, and that's okay. Hiring is fine. A growth industry, and we are a growth industry, should hire. However, we must absolutely make sure that productivity, that output per employee rises right along with headcounts. Because we know the cost of hiring and the cost of employing will keep rising, and we know that we will not be able to pass those costs on to our clients as higher prices. Another thing we need to do to prepare ourselves for the slowdown, to ensure that we come out of this thing stronger than we went in, is what I simply call effective performance analysis. And by that, I mean nothing more than a candid, timely assessment of how we're doing. An effective performance analysis really has three basic steps. Number one, identify the critical metrics. Figure out what Metrics say the most about your business. Now, there are dozens of indicators that tell us something about our businesses, but for performance analysis, we select what I would call the vital few, whether they're financial or production or customer service. These are the vital few metrics we must see every month, or I should say at least monthly to know how we're really doing. Our purpose here is not to be comprehensive. Our purpose here is not to measure everything. It's to measure what's most important and most insightful. Once we've established that vital few set of metrics that we need to see at least monthly to know how we're doing, we assemble a consistent, complete database on each. That means no missing data. It means figures are calculated the same way every period so we can make comparisons from period to period and that the figures are available shortly after the close of the measurement period. If we're collecting monthly, we have those figures shortly after the close of the month, not two or three months later. And the third step in basic performance analysis is taking a look at what we've collected and identifying the trends looking at the raw data, manipulating them, thinking about them, identifying the trends so we know what's really happening to our business. Now, performance analysis does not need to be complex or overwhelming. Even basic performance analysis will tell us very effectively how we're doing in time to build on strengths, correct weaknesses, and minimize mistakes and that's the key we know what's happening in time to do something about it now if nothing were changing in our industry performance analysis wouldn't be very important we could keep doing what we've always done but we know that's not the case we know that our clients our markets our labor force our competition Our workflow and every other vital aspect of our business is being redefined by profound change. And we've got to keep a closer eye on what's happening, why it's happening, and what we can do about it than we ever have. That will help us come out of the slowdown stronger than we went in. Effective labor force management, effective performance analysis – more important than ever.
1: Andy, is there anything else that people should be keeping in mind about the state of the industry as we go into 2007?
0: Yes. I will repeat three points NAPL has been emphasizing for several years now. They are all worth repeating. They are all worth continuing to emphasize. Number one, always remember, and it all starts with understanding That we are in the communications business, not the ink-on-paper business. I've been saying that for several years, and I have been getting resistance to that simple statement for several years. And my response to this resistance is still the same. Show me a piece of printing that is not intended to communicate something to someone somewhere And I will then agree we are in the ink or toner on paper business. I still haven't seen that piece of printing. Now, we pay lip service to this idea of a a communications business. Sometimes we call ourselves the graphic communications business. But when we live the fact that we are in the communications business and that if it affects how people communicate, it affects us, we then see opportunity where others see threats. We then see a vibrant industry with its best years ahead where others see a mature or dying industry. Secondly, I am very concerned about the hype surrounding diversification. Diversification beyond print, and you know NAPL has been talking about this for 10 years. Diversification beyond print is a hot topic in our industry, maybe the hottest topic. It is seen as a ticket to growth, to profitability, to pricing power, to customer loyalty, and it can indeed be all of that, or it can be just the opposite. We are learning that there is a big difference between diversifying and diversifying profitably. And we must always remember when we consider diversification that fulfillment and digital printing and database management are new businesses. They are not simple extensions of our current business. We must know what we are getting into. We must know how deep the water really is. We must understand the costs of diversification, not just hardware and software or space, but the talent to develop and market these services, the cost of changing our clients' perspectives. They don't see us as the provider of fulfillment or digital services or database services or web design. They see us as a provider of ink on paper. Changing our employees' perspectives, charging, coming up with a pricing structure for the new services, helping clients realize the value of these services, and most important of all, getting beyond the hype and understanding from the outset that there is plenty of potential, historic opportunity in diversification, but absolutely no Guarantees. And the third and final point I would like to reinforce is that we are an industry divided, divided between an enduringly successful minority that excels regardless of how the business environment changes, that is able to make everything happening in this business an opportunity rather than a threat. We are divided between an enduringly successful minority and what I call charitably an up-and-down-at-best majority. That's okay as long as the economy holds up. That's okay as long as their major clients don't go away. But other than that, look a heck of a lot alike and are very dependent on a favorable business environment and quite frankly a lot of luck and things not changing very much to succeed. And I am convinced of absolutely three things. I am convinced that being on the right side of that gap between the enduringly successful minority and the up and down majority, being on the right side of that gap today is no guarantee that we will be on the right side of that gap tomorrow because our industry is being redefined. We've got to be able to anticipate what's ahead and make what's ahead, an opportunity rather than a threat. No niche is impenetrable, and I've seen too many companies that were leaders for a long time become laggards because their environment changed and they simply were not prepared for the change. Number two, I am absolutely convinced that that gap between the enduringly successful Majority and the up-and-down minority is going to get wider and wider. We're seeing it already as our industry gets more competitive and more complex. And I'm out in the industry a lot. In the course of a year, I will talk to 3,000, maybe 4,000 printing executives from some of the largest public companies in this business to the backbone 2, 3, 5, 10 million dollar family-owned, privately held companies, and they may disagree vehemently with everything I've said, but they will agree with two things, the two C's of our business, that this business is getting more competitive, as we discussed, and it is getting more complex in a whole bunch of ways. And we are already seeing that the gap between that enduringly successful minority And that up and down at best majority is getting wider and wider and wider. The final thing, point number three, is I am absolutely convinced that who ends up on the right side of that gap is not going to be a matter of company size or ownership structure or niche or equipment configuration or anything else that we have historically used to categorize printing companies. It will be companies of any size that can take the kinds of issues we've raised today, take the kinds of change that is redefining our clients, our markets, our competition, our labor force, and make those changes opportunities rather than threats because they can be either. And I will close by simply saying that NAPL's mission, of course – is to get our members on the right side of that gap and keep them there. And I am very proud to say and very excited to say that given the resources we have today, our people and our expertise, we have never been in a better position to help our members do exactly that.
1: Andy, thanks very much for being with us today.
0: My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Our thanks to Andy Paparossi, Vice President and Chief Economist of NAPL, for joining us on the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed this NAPL podcast program, and if you have comments or suggestions about our podcasts, please drop us an email at napl at professionalpodcasts.com. Again, if you'd like more information on the value of NAPL membership, visit our website at NAPL.org or call 1-800-642-NAPL. That's 1-800-642-6275. And be sure to choose option four. Until next time, this is Steve Lubedkin. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you out there on the net. Take good care.